Hi, I'm Nicole Haney. I'm a business coach who helps goal-driven business owners build the life and business of their dreams. In this podcast, I share tactical advice on building your business, mindset tips, and inspiring interviews to help you build your business and change your life. This is the Goals and Gratitude Podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Goals and Gratitude Podcast. In today's episode, we are joined by Erica Oaks. Erica is a co-founder of Austin Oaks, which is a clothing brand that makes comfortable unisex clothing made of high-quality fabrics. Now, Erica started Austin Oaks back in 2016 with her brother, Michael, and has since grown it to a powerhouse brand recognized by influencers and celebrities like Jillian Harris and The Bird's Papaya. With both an e-commerce presence and a brick and mortar location, Austin Oaks is continuing to grow their vision of a sustainable and fashionable clothing brand that both the kids and their parents love. So thanks for being here with us, Erica. Uh, For those who don't know you, can you tell us who you are and what it is you do? Sure. My name is Erica Oaks, and I am the owner of Austin Oaks, which is um, a retail store, uh, e-commerce store as well. Um, We started a line of clothing about uh, five or six years, six years ago now, Um, started in uh, children's clothing and now have expanded our line to adult wear as well. Um, We make all of our products right here in Canada. Um, And yeah, we use sustainable fabrics. Um, We're really focused on sustainability in our clothing and um, fair wages. And yeah, that's basically a little bit about our business. So how did you get into this then? Can you tell our audience a bit of your startup story? Yeah, sure. So uh, originally I was a secondary school teacher. Um, So I taught for five years in actually Northern Ontario. Um, And I had my first child up North in Timmins. Um, And then uh, I'm from London. So we relocated back to my hometown of London um, when he was uh, about eight months old. And then I had a second child really quickly after. So I was off teaching for a little while. Um, and then when I got back into, I, you know, I took about a couple of years off with the kids. Um, and then when I was ready to kind of, uh, get back into teaching in London, I decided to take up a job at, um, Bianchal college in entrepreneurial services. So I really started thinking about starting something on my own. And I was helping a lot of students, um, go through business ideas and, um, you know, figure out what type of businesses they wanted to start. And it was a little bit of like doing through teaching. I was kind of doing the same thing and uh, learning about the same processes. And then um, I had a brainstorming session with my brother one night and I thought, you know, I, there's lots of kids clothing brands out there, but I'm looking for something really specific and I don't see it yet. And I'm wondering if we can kind of make it. And so it was specifically certain cuts and certain styles of clothing for um, children that did have like a more basic adult type type style to them. Um, but simply, be, simply just wanted them to last longer because, you know, you, you think about as soon as you become a mom, 
especially you think about everything that you're putting on your child, like the, you know, the type of food that they eat, the, um, you know, the plastics that they play with, like, you start thinking about all this stuff, but we didn't really have that same approach to clothing. And so I thought I started thinking about it. My son had really sensitive skin. So anyway, we, we uh, reached out to some production teams and landed on one in Toronto and started to develop a line with this incredible bamboo fabric that is great for kids. It's hypoallergenic and that it's super soft, very durable. And um, it was just a great product that we released. And we released three items, a t-shirt, um, a legging, which we still have right now, both t-shirts and then a long sleeve shirt. And since then, so we started with three items and then the line just kind of continued to grow. Um, we have this little, people always ask us, we have this little ostrich logo. And um, one of the reasons we had it was because it was very unique and kind of a little mature for a child's brand, but still cute enough that kids like the bird clothes kind of thing. Um, and we always kind of first foresaw that it could potentially be something adults would wear in the future if we wanted to expand the line. Um, and, uh, you know, six years later, we have a full adult line. We have uh, clothing for kids up to size 12. We have a baby line. So it's, it's grown significantly since then. And I feel like a lot of times when people hear a startup story and especially for someone like yourself, like you've seen so much success with Austin Oaks. Um, but I think if somebody was to enter your world right now and see that level of success, oftentimes people will mistake it as being an overnight success. Mm -hmm. um, can you talk a little bit about what it was like in the early days and like how you kind of got your foothold in the industry and started to really grow it? It's funny because I still feel like I'm like, started like that feeling of starting just never really goes away like as much as we'll I'll say oh you know we're six years in like I still feel like there's so many things that are just starting so um it definitely is not an overnight success it takes time to build a brand and I, I think that the first mistake that a lot of entrepreneurs do is that they compare their businesses. Like I, I even do that too. Like I launched my business at the same time that this person did. Why are they so much more successful than me? And you have no idea what type of funding that person had, what type of uh, connections that they had, you know, you, you don't know what type of help that they had in, in building that brand. And so sometimes I have to kind of, you know, remind myself, well, you kind of did this, like I bootstrapped it basically. Like it was like self-funded, um, you know, and it grew as much as it looks like it's an overnight success. It actually grew kind of slow and we took our time. And I, you know, I was working at Fanshawe for the first two years of the company. And then I decided, okay, it's kind of taking off. I'm going to put more effort into it. So I really feel like it started then when I was able to like quit my job and fully focus on it. And then, and then we opened a retail store and then there's that kind of jump that happened and the, the game kind of completely changed because now I have a retail store and an online store and how do these work together? Or how do we, you know, market for a retail store and market for our online store? And like all of that changes as you grow. So, um, it, yeah, it, it definitely is a slow process that everybody can look at, you know, our Instagram and be like, wow, you have this many followers. Well, yeah, it took us six years and a lot, a lot of work. And even then still, there's still things that I want to improve on. So it's, it's, uh, 
yeah, it's ever, it's ever growing, I feel, um, and definitely not an overnight success. Um, I think too, specifically in fashion and in production, um, the process is long um, to develop new products. And to, so even just that process takes time and you have to have a lot of patience. Yeah. And it's a lot of hard work. Like there's so much hard work that goes into, especially building like a product business too. Right. Cause I know from my own experience, like in the early days, you're going to markets and trade shows and like doing literally every single thing that you can to get your brand name out there and to connect with, um, potential customers. So it really is a lot of work. Um, and you mentioned kind of that comparison game that you can look at other brands that are more successful than you are that started around the same time. And it can really start to kind of get you down. How would you suggest that people deal with that? I think that reminding yourself of your wins is the best way to kind of get your head. I mean, you're always, you're always going to have this bit of comparison. I think it's just human nature. You, you can't get away from it. But I think that when you can focus a little bit on your own successes and stop thinking about like, especially in clothing, you know, I didn't invent a t-shirt. Like, you know, it's not this crazy invention. It's like, what makes us us? And staying core, like true to your core brand identity and the reason why you started is so important because that's going to be that's going to be directly you, you know, it's not going to be somebody else. So it's, it's um, something that I had to kind of learn, like, people will copy you, and there will be copycats, and there will be, um, you know, brands that are doing things similarly to you, but like, there's room for everybody. So you just have to make your customer want your product. And that's it. Like, it's, it's, it, you kind of can get in your own head, by that comparison game. And if you just try really hard to stay true to yourself and stay as unique as you possibly can to what your brand is, I think that that really helps. Um, and I, you know, we were talking about this a little bit earlier, but sometimes helping other people, it like, you know, go through that also helps me compare less because I, I don't know, it was just that that idea of like, I've got this knowledge so I can help you out with it and we can share this together. And there is room for everybody that it does kind of um, help you feel less competitive in a way. I think that it can be different for everybody, but that's definitely something that helps me is like focusing on our own product, on what we have that's unique, um, you know, and something that, why am I doing this? Why am I um, creating this brand? It's because it's something I love to do. And if I'm engaged in my community and I can and help others that way too, that makes it all worth it. I love that community lens to it because there is that aspect of like, you're in a pretty saturated space. Like you were saying, clothing, right? I was in a really saturated space with energy bars as well. And the reality is like, you're going to have competition. Like regardless, there are going to be other people out there that are making 
clothing uh, that are making children's clothing that are making energy bars or really at this point, like whatever industry you're in, for the most part, you're going to have some level of competition. Like that's just reality when you mm-hmm. have a business, right? And it's a good thing. Like, I think that people see it as a negative thing. I'm like, it's a good thing. Cause that means that there's a market for your product. You just have to figure out how to make yours, you know, sellable. Yes. That's exactly it, right? Like it proves that there is a market. Like you said, it proves that people want this type of product, Mm -hmm. but if you can focus on carving out your own little niche and your own little space for yourself, whether that's based on your branding or like the style, like I know your style of fashion is very unique to other styles that are out there right now for children's clothing. Right. And so that appeals to a certain target market, which might not appeal to a different target market. And so a competitor for you might attract some clients and then you attract others. And it just is what it is. Like there's enough room for everyone. Right. Right. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Exactly. So speaking about, um, the competitive nature of business, Austin Oak started as an e-commerce store Mm -hmm. and that is hard. Like that is, I have to say like e-commerce is probably the hardest business model that I have seen and that I have worked with. Um, So I know there's probably a lot of listeners who are wondering, how did you drive traffic to your e-commerce store? Oh man, I'll never forget. We launched our website. I had this like obviously when we first started, I had this product in my basement. Okay. And then we had worked really hard on this website. And I think we had, we ended up having like pretty well, my brother and I had all of our family and friends follow us on Instagram. We had like 500 people following us on Instagram and I was so excited and we're about to launch our website. We launched it. And I'm like, okay, nobody's purchased anything, but I had a little launch party before. So some people got to see the product in person and we had like, maybe some of our closest friends buy it right there. But, you know, we go and we launch this Instagram and our website to the public and, you know, we don't get any orders. (laughs) And I'm like, what's going on? Like, I thought we have 500 people that are following us. Why is nobody buying anything? And then, you know, 24 hours went by and no orders. I'm like, oh man, what's going on? Maybe like, maybe people aren't seeing us. Maybe we need to post more. Like how are we? Yeah. So I think it was like maybe three or four days. I thought we got our first order and we were so excited. And I ended up um, trying to schedule some pop-ups because I'm like, maybe people just don't know who we are and want to see the product in person. Like how do we get that trust? And I think consumer trust is the most important thing like even even within our own friends and family like they needed to see the product first before they were going to buy it even just even if they wanted to support us you know like it was like well what am I buying here so um I started scheduling some pop-ups and I started meeting some other business owners in the city one of the other business owners purchased something from us and they really liked the product and they shared it and so it was like literally word of mouth at the start. And like I said, being involved in community events and starting to get our name out there through that. And I think we linked up with um, Sabrina from the over company who had, again, like a very similar customer to ours. She um, was a a car seat cover still is, they have a a very successful brand now. Um, And I linked up with her and she had a 
similar product to us and a similar customer demographic. So, um, you know, being able to like run ideas through her, partner on events, partner on giveaways, partner on things like it really helped us gain customer trust because they trusted her brand. So then they trusted ours too. And so I think that that is kind of where it all started. And that customer trust led to website sales. And they, even now when we get orders in, I don't know, we have, we're, we can ship internationally now. So I think we have had orders in Europe, like where, where are these orders coming from? How do I link it back to me? And it, it, it's really interesting because it is really still word of mouth. So as much as e-commerce, you know, you see all these ads, you see all like, people have to have trust in the ads that they're seeing. So is I, how do you build that trust with your customer? And for us at the start, it was definitely word of mouth. It was definitely connecting with um, trustworthy businesses um, and organizations and influencers that people trusted is gaining those connections. And then going from there kind of just slowly, slowly grows and grows and grows. So yeah, it's, it's like, as much as it seems intimidating, it's still the same old game. It's like, it's like, you got to build that customer trust. And then uh, they will come. Yeah, <laughs> build it, they will come eventually. Yeah. yeah. And this is the thing, right? Like, so I think there's a few kind of um, myths that center around e commerce businesses. And one of them is that if you build a website, like people will just show up on your website and yeah. start placing orders because now you have a website and it's the internet. So you can reach anybody anywhere. And so it feels like I'm just going to start getting orders rolling in right away. But yeah. then the reality is that like 99% of e-commerce businesses don't get any orders for like the first, however long, couple of weeks, couple of months, however long it takes to figure that process out and to realize, like you're saying, it's just like any other business at the end of the day, it's boots on the ground work and like getting out there and interacting with your customers and establishing that trust, right. In person, yeah. as well as online. Yeah, for sure. And I think too, um, like for us, particularly our product sells really well in person. And that's why we ended up going the retail store route. And it, I mean, there's been times where we've juggled with the retail store, especially for during COVID and, you know, like, am I, is this worth it? But we do really well in person because people can come and feel our product. And when you feel it and you touch it and you see the quality of it, um, that really helps the customer confirm their purchase. So online, you don't get that same experience. So it's like, how can we create that experience for our customer online, you know, so that, that often comes through social media. Um, and like I said, word of mouth, you know, how many times I hear in a day where you're like, Oh, my sister told me about your brand or my, like, that is still so relevant. And I think that people think, Oh no, it's, you have to sink all your money into advertisements all the time. And it's just ads popping up all the time. And, and look, there's a time and a place for that. And you need to have that too. I'm not saying that you don't, you definitely do, but it's, the combination that's really important. It's like, you can't invest, you can't put all your eggs in one basket. Like you really have to disperse them. And it's people hearing about you from a friend and then seeing your ad and then seeing your Instagram page and then seeing an influencer share about you. And it's like 
all of these different avenues in which your brand is being exposed to somebody that people are going to gain that trust and come to your website and eventually purchase. And then for us, getting that repeat customer is like, we have a really high repeat customer rate because they get their first product and they like it so much because they see it in person that they'll come back and they'll order more. And that's a really important step for an entrepreneur is getting that return customer after they've purchased that once, that one time to getting them to come back. Yeah. Absolutely. Cause you don't want to be constantly just chasing new customers, right? Like, of course, if you want your business to grow, you do want to have new customers coming in all the time, but on the flip side, like if you can get your repeat orders to continue to grow, that's actually a lot easier than having to acquire a new customer. And it's a lot less expensive, right? Right. And for us, we have kids clothing. So their kids are growing all the time and there's new kids being added to the family. And you know, like that, it's a really great model for us to have because, um, you know, even the fact that our clothes last really long, that's again, another um, thing I hear from customers all the time is that our clothing will go through multiple children. So they've got that trust within our brand now. Okay, I can buy this in a size three, for my child and it will last for my baby will grow into it and they'll be in this like so it's just got that longevity to it which um you know it it really helps because then people um will invest in the clothing a, a little easier knowing that it'll last and kind of go through the cycle um but yeah it is easier when kids grow out of things and then they could come and replenish their wardrobe <laughs> with our our things that that, that, that helps um, sure. And then of course you get moms in there being like, well, this is so soft for my kid. I'm going to get this for my husband, or I'm going to buy this for myself, or I'm going to, so that's kind of just how our brand grew. And a lot of, a lot of, um, you know, parents would come in and say like, when are you making this for adults? Because this is a great style and a great color or a great fabric. And, and that's kind of affirmed to us that we had a market there. Yeah. I I love your style. I love your style. And when I was looking at the children's clothing, I always had that thought in my head as well. Like I would love this for me. If you could just make this in like a much larger size, that would be fantastic. So yeah, I can see how it appeals to both kids and adults for sure. Mm -hmm. And you were talking about like the quality of it and how important it is that people actually like pick it up and touch it and feel it and experience it in person. And so um, it sounds like that's what led you to open your first storefront. Yeah. So that kind of just happened. I feel like we had a coffee, like right before I opened the store, I feel like we had a meeting. I I remember sitting down with you at um, the chapters Indigo over by Masonville. And we had, I remember remember? that. And like, this was all I had, you know how they say, like, usually you hit almost like not hit rock bottom, but you're just like, you feel really low. You kind of get to this low place in your business and you're like, I don't know what to do next, you yeah. know? And that's, it's kind of where I was at with Austin Oaks at that time. I had, you know, finished up at the at Western and we were in this program together and, you know, I was kind of seeing this business coach and, um, you know, some of the financial planning that I was in, hoping to do at Western never really came to fruition and it I just kind of felt like okay well what's next for our business I don't know I really don't know and I did a pop-up at this coffee shop that was Margot and Tuffy and I had a, a mutual friend Ange and she invited us so we went and did a pop-up there and um then she let me know that she was actually going to be stepping back from that 
that Margot and Tuffy was closing and she was going to be stepping back from that business. And there was the space available. And so at first I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know if it's something that we can do like financially, like, you know, you have your overhead costs of a retail store where you, you know, e-commerce isn't that much overhead. So it's, it's a little bit easier of a decision. Um, but I thought, you know, we do really well at shows and people like to show up when we're there. I think people will come to the store, I think. So I had this like goal in my head of how much money I need to make per day to keep the store open. And um, we kind of just launched the store and to see how it went. And it did really well its first year. I mean, nobody can predict that COVID's going to hit. So that was a little bump in the road. But even then, like people would, they liked the idea of picking up their clothing and not having to pay for shipping in London. Um, so we have a lot of, uh, a large population that will shop online and just swing by and pick it up at the store. Um, and then we also have like a lot of, grandmas or older customers that have you know their their kids have told them how much they love this so they'll come in and they'll buy for everybody in the family and there's this is a different sometimes it's a different customer in store but it's those gift purchases it's those you know those special purchases that are made in store that um you know differentiate it from maybe like the e-commerce like especially when you're having a sale for example you know everybody hits the website they stock up on what's on sale on your website in store when we have sales, it's a little different. Like, you know, people are like still coming to get a gift or, you know, they want the experience of shopping in store. And as much as COVID changed that for a lot of people, I think a lot of people expanded their, uh, you know, e-commerce um, ability <laughs> in some ways. Um, I think that there is still something about having somebody come to a store and being greeted by staff and helping them with choices and giving them knowledge about the product. And there is still something there that I think that London likes anyway. So um, I'm, I'm happy that we did the store and I hope we can keep it going. We're like we were talking about earlier, we're gonna be moving locations. So that's an exciting new move for us. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, I did it backwards compared to a lot of people, right? Cause like most people have their retail store and then go online, at, like traditionally, and we kind of worked backwards and, um, so far it's, it's been going good. <laughs> I a hundred percent am somebody that loves to shop in person. Like give me a storefront any day to walk into and to be able to like, especially with clothing, to be able to try things on and see how they fit. And once COVID happened and I was like, cool, my only option for buying clothing is to buy it online like everybody else. Um, and I bought a bunch of stuff online that I got and then it just like didn't fit the right way or the cut wasn't right for like my body type or what have you. And you end up returning a ton of stuff as well. So mm -hmm. I do feel like there's something so valuable about being in person, especially when it's something like clothing, but regardless of what the product is, I feel like it is, it's such an experience to go and be in person and like, like you're saying, talk to the staff and get a bit more knowledge about the different products and see the different things and walk around the store and browse. It really does make a difference for a lot of people. Totally. And like, it's, it, especially when you're buying something as a, like, like I said, like that gift item, or you want to make sure it's something special or the colors, like the exact color that you're thinking of, or, um, and I, 
I don't think like as much as the lot of people say, oh, the future is e-commerce. Like this is, I still think that there is part of us that wants to go and shop in person and we'll continue to do that. So um, I really, I mean, I also like having the retail store because it can be a representation of our brand in real life, not just online. And um, even just the connection that we can make with the community through that, um, it's nice as well because, you know, when we get Google reviews where people say, oh, I went to the store and this person was so helpful. And like, and like, that's a part of our brand. That is like what we want to portray and we want to, um, you know, make sure that, that, that that's ingrained in, in what our branding message is. And so I think, um, yeah, I, that's important to me anyway. And I want to continue to do that and offer great customer service and have, a, a you know, and have a friendly smile that's helping you or our, you know, slogan on the wall is like, kindness is always in style. Like we want to make sure that, um, you know, that we're a part of the community and not just, you know, an e-commerce brand. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I feel like though it is hard to foster that sense of community, Mm -hmm. um, in person, even like, even though you are in person and you have people that are connecting like physically in front of your customers, it's still challenging. It's still challenging. You have to have the right person oh, yeah. representing your brand. Is a whole nother. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's so- a whole nother thing. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree with that, but I've been really fortunate to have some great people and friendly people work for us. I mean, it's, it's been a really good experience that way. Um, you know, it, it can be a challenge for a lot of, um, stores, but I think our brand attracted, um, you know, some, some good ones and like some moms, like all of our staff right now are mom, uh, pretty well. We have, a, um, you know, a couple part-timers that aren't, but most of our staff are, are moms that are passionate about the clothing too. So it's been, um, uh, you know, really, I've been fortunate that way. Um, now with that said, we have been a little bit short staffed. <laughs> you know, the hiring process can be uh, challenging, but I, I have, I do feel like we have a good little group that uh, I think sometimes people think we're bigger than what we are. I had a meeting yesterday and somebody's like, well, who's, what's your team that do-? I'm like, you mean the one person that does like, <laughs> you know, That's like we don't way. have this team of like, so I think that sometimes that, that the size of the brand, um, can look a little bit bigger than what we actually are, but um, that's a good thing. I think that means that we're <laughs> projecting, you know, our success and we're projecting, you know, we're doing a lot of work, uh, looks like a whole team of people could be doing it and it's not. So, well, there is a small team of people, but, um, yeah, anyway, it's, uh, I've been fortunate with the staffing situation and the, the team that we've built. Have you done anything specifically to like, try to attract the right people? Like when you do your job postings, do you put in there, like, it needs to be somebody that wants to work for a really small team, um, or that we're a close knit team or anything like that? Um, not necessarily. I think that, um, the, the right people have kind of come up at the right time. Like it's got, like, I think that that's just kind of how it's been. And so I think we originally threw it out there and we have had some posts like that, that I advertise on Facebook and you, and you, sometimes you don't get maybe the right fit for the, the role. Um, 
one particular person that I knew was really well for the, I kind of went after <laughs> like, she's sitting, she's sitting in the room, but like, I knew she was a really good fit. I saw a lot of potential and like, I knew that we all got along really well. So there was a couple of times where I reached back out to her and like, Hey, you want a job or like, and so it, she ended up finally coming back. It, it's, it was kind of just a feeling, I, I guess. Like I, I, I don't know. I just, I've been really lucky to be honest. I didn't, I don't think I did anything specific. I think that um, the brand attracted kind of the right people. Um, and I think pe the people that work for the brand are also really passionate about our project product and believe in it. And they believe in our brand messaging. And I think that that's important too. Like you want the people that work for you or that work for the brand to, to like it. <laughs> yes, yeah. absolutely. They have to, they have to, if they're going to be representing your brand, it has to be somebody who is in love with the brand and who yeah. actually is the right fit. Um, I always talk about hiring people for like personality and fits and, you know, even work ethic over mm -hmm. hiring people for a specific skill set. Mm -hmm. So instead of hiring somebody yeah. who has like 20 years retail experience, maybe hiring somebody who like is a, a loyal customer of yours, right. who is constantly like engaging with your brand. And you know, this person, if you put them in front of a customer, they are going to be able to talk about your brand in a way that reflects what you want your brand to reflect. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think that that's really important as well. And it's sometimes there are things that can be taught and then there are things that can't be. So it's like, what, what do you want to focus on when you're hiring somebody, you know, like the fact that they already know the POS system or the fact that they have a really good knowledge of like, you know, clothing or like style or you know, things like that is yeah. those things are harder to teach. So um, I, I think that um, you nailed it there and that you almost want to hire for that personality and that passion uh, versus maybe skill set. So going back to when you opened the storefront, um, and I know you said that it kind of was just something that happened. And I think that's cool that like, it seems like it just sort of happened in this very like authentic and kind of fortuitous way that you had the opportunity at the time that you did to open the storefront, mm -hmm. but it is also still a pretty big financial risk, right. Mm -hmm. For, for your business. And so, um, the main thing that obviously you need to focus on when you open a storefront is getting bodies through the door and like getting people kind of walking through it and buying your products. So what would you say were the things that you did in the early days to generate awareness around the storefront and get people through the door? We held, we held a really big opening event that was really, um, successful. We had like, it was raining that day. I'll never forget. I'm like, nobody's going to come. It's raining. Like it's, and I ended up getting really sick that day. I was like, I don't know if it was the stress of it all, but like I ended up in the hospital with a kidney stone at the end of the day. And nobody knows that. Wow. <laughs> your, your listeners can know that, but I was like, like really sick. And, um, I was just so stressed that no one was going to come that we were going to open the store. And like, community showed up we had a pack like I look at it now I'm like oh my gosh that definitely would have been COVID not friendly at the time because we were like all packed in the store and it was raining and anyway it was so amazing we had so much support from the community on that opening day so I knew that 
that I think that our social media presence and um, the work that we had done in the community prior to opening up really helped us there. Um, but yeah, it was even just continuing to get people in the door. I think that the pickup option was a really great opportunity to get people into the store. So, you know, still pushing, like I said, we did it opposite. So we had this customer base online that we were converting into a retail store customer as well. So um, having people come into the store, get their items, and then potentially seeing other items that they wanted to purchase was a great way to kind of get bodies in the door. Um, we offered like, I think what I did at the Modern Mom Show, one of the shows that we did, um, I offered like a discount code in store only. So like this code could only be used if you come and purchase it in our store. And um, that really helped because people were coming in and it was actually like enough that they could get like a scrunchie for free if they wanted, or like, you know, it was just offering these things that were only available in store. And then we still have to do that now. Like it's like balance, like, okay, well we need to pick up um, our retail sales or our online sales. So what can we offer customers? So it's discounts, sales, um, you know, what other way, like special items only available in store or vice versa. So I think that those types of techniques really help. Um, I had some brands, which was really cool, uh, you know, give me, uh, they, they wanted brand exposure as well. Um, so I've partnered with some brands before where, you know, you got a sample of their product if you bought one of our items. Um, actually, one of them was a, a bar. <laughs> So at the time she, it, it was a, more geared towards children, but uh, a children's like granola bar. And she was just branching into um, London grocery stores. And so, uh, you know, with every purchase in store, you got a free bar. And so like, it was just like things like that to try to entice people to come in. Um, and then once they come, it, they realize, oh, this shopping experience is great. And maybe there's more options in store. Maybe I can see things, you know, it's just, you're still always going to have people who prefer one to the other. So it's um, catering to both of those customers is important, I think. Okay. So speaking about partnering with other brands, um, you have gotten a ton of publicity for Austin Oaks. So I remember that you were on the Marilyn Dennis show um, and you got featured by um, the Birds Papaya and also Jillian Harris, which is like amazing, amazing publicity. So I do think though, a lot of entrepreneurs really struggle with this piece of like, how do I actually get out there and get my name out there and get my brand out there and generate some publicity for myself and for my brand. So how would you say that you went about doing that? Um, I would say the first thing that you need to focus on is, is finding somebody who is the right fit for your brand. And an example that I'm going to give you is like, we had, my brother's obviously my, my business partner. When we first launched it, um, there's this really famous soccer player that he wanted to send stuff to for his kid. And so he had like, at the time he had like 350,000 followers on Instagram. And we were like, oh yeah, if we can just get stuff to this soccer player, he'll post it for us and we'll get like all of these orders. And we did. And he posted it nicely for us. Um, and it was such, he was such a nice guy. Like we sent his kids stuff and he really liked the product, but then 
we didn't get any orders. I think we got 10 followers from it. And I'm like, oh, really? Like we had put in all this effort. We got all this excitement, but his following was soccer players, not moms that were buying clothes for their kids. So yeah, I think we got a couple of orders come in off of that, that were like, oh, I saw this, you know, I, maybe a couple, but not, ne not necessarily what we had expected based on his numbers. And, you know, Mike and I really like hummed and hawed over it. Like, well, what, what are we doing wrong? Like who do, so then I was like, well, we got a bogo. Like who's going to, who's buying from us? Moms are buying from us. So what, what influencers, what, um, what brands do we align with best? So I think that finding the right person to associate with your brand is really important because that's who's going to connect best. So if the, if you, if you, it's not all about numbers. I think that that's one of the lessons that we learned that it has to be somebody who um, also has your same audience and demographic and gets to them as well. So um, I ended up at first, I had hired PR people before um, in, in terms of like investing in that. I haven't found it super lucrative. I haven't found it to be personally, a lot of these connections were me staying up late at night emailing people, sending them, asking them to gift them items. Um, a lot of the investment was gifting at the start. I think you have to get your product in these people's hands in order for them to um, really experience it. So um, we did a lot of gifting at the start. Some people you never heard from, and that's just kind of the nature of it. Um, and then some people, it took months for them to post anything about it. And so I had the opportunity of meeting the birds of high at an event and I gave her a hat and it ended up being her favorite hat. She posted about it a couple of times. And every time she posts, we sold out of that hat. And then um, Jillian, I, I love Jillian Harris. I found her very authentic and just like really easy to follow. And so I sent her stuff right when she had Leo. I think he was like, he was like six or eight months or something. And I sent her 12 to 18 months because that's when our, our line started at that size. And she didn't really post about it. And I didn't hear much about it for a little while. And I thought, oh man, maybe she didn't like it or whatever. But turns out he was just a really tiny little guy. So he didn't get into the stuff until a little bit later. And um, I don't know, about like six months after I sent her stuff, she shared our leggings and um, that she really loved our leggings. And so we had like, you know, a ton of orders for our, our little kids' leggings. And uh, it was patience. Like at first I was like, oh, you know, maybe, um, you know, she didn't like, like the item or, you know, what was it? Did I, did I pick something that wasn't her style? You know, I was really overanalyzing. Um, but you have to also remember that sometimes it's just the sizing or, or maybe you kind of just have to be persistent and patient. Um, and it's not like we talked about earlier, it's not going to happen overnight. Like it's going to take time to build those connections. And so recently um, I was able to um, do a collaboration sweater for Jillian's team or Jillian and her team over um, at her Jilly Academy. And we did an adult piece, which was awesome. It was our adult HACCP and she's branded it her Jilly, with her Jilly Academy and added her own little logo to it. And it's, it's a great, great connection that we've been able to foster over the years. And quite honestly, I like not fan, I won't want to say fangirled, but I got really emotional when I met her uh, for the first time, because it was just like, she was um, just as real in person 
as she is on her social media and just as nice. And I almost felt like a little, like we talked about, like a little bit of imposter syndrome, like, wow, like why does, does she like our product? Like, you know, like what it was just, it was an overwhelming feeling. And she, um, there's a reason she's so successful and it's because she is just a really kind, decent human. And, um, yeah, so I think, I think that it takes patience, persistence, a lot of like your own emails. I think it's something, it says something else too, when it comes from the owner and like, this is my business that I've built. I'd really love you to try some of our products. Um, you know, I rarely get people that say no to that. Um, again, like you aren't guaranteed a post or a story when you do that, but if you believe in your product and it's a good product and it's a good fit for that person and you really believe it is, um, the chances of it being shared are, are quite high. Um, in terms of the Maryland dentist thing, I think it was like a mompreneur pitch that I went on. <laughs> Actually, I applied for it sitting in the, remember, do you remember that? I and do. I applied with, um, Jacqueline was sitting beside me and I'm like, I think I'm going to apply for this Maryland dentist thing. And I just like shot off this application. I had to make up my own video and, uh, I got selected. So it was just luck. I mean, it's, it's just, again, looking for the opportunities and putting your name in the hat. And, and sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. And, you know, I think that the way things have happened for us have been really great and like the right timing and, you know, even, even this recent collaboration, like I kind of took a risk and ordered the fabric and I'm like, Jillian's going to like these. I think she's going to do it. And we just like, we took the risk and we ordered the fabric and hadn't had a confirmation yet. And then, you know, the, the confirmation came a little later. So I was lucky that I had taken that risk or else it might not have happened. Yeah. I don't blame you at all for, uh, being starstruck either with yeah. Jillian Harris. She's fantastic. Like, honestly, who doesn't love her? Right. Like, She's, she's awesome. You're right. She's just so authentic and down to earth. Yeah. I was, it was just like, it wasn't even a starstruck feeling. It was just like, I just got like, you know, we followed each other on social media for a while. And I think that she's so, you know, got this like cult following that you don't think she's paying attention to you as well. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, I'm just a small brand on the side here. You're working with Joe fresh and you're working with these, like, you know, these big brands. And that like when I met her and she was like, how are you? And she like, talked to me like, yeah, I, rem I know you. I will follow you on Instagram. And it was just like, cool. <laughs> it was like validating in a way, you know, you're like, wow, that's really cool. And she does pay attention to those things. And I think that um, what she shares are things that she does really love and really wants to support. And, um, you know, things that might not be a great brand fit for her, she doesn't share. And I respect that. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say that too, like what, do, what's your suggestion if somebody reaches out to a brand and they just don't hear back? Like, do you, would you suggest that that person keep reaching out and continue to be persistent yeah. down that path? Or yeah, I like, think you can do it in a way that is, um, like doesn't, is not, I, I want to use the word annoying, but like, is not like aggressive or, um, like you can do it in a way that's like, like a, like a little bit of a soft opening. And I think that it takes a little time for, again, just like to build a customer, to build a connection with an influencer takes time too. And they have to build trust in your brand and they have to, it's all about relationships and fostering those relationships. So I think, um, I, you know, being persistent in 
uh, you know, polite way is great. And if you don't hear for a little while, then take a break, you know, like go another route because maybe it isn't a fit for them um, and their brand. And so you just keep going down another road and you just kind of keep, keep trying to find somebody who is a good fit because it will happen. It's just, it's a lot of work. And, um, people don't realize that it's not just, oh, I'm going to send them something in the mail and they're going to post about it right overnight. Like it doesn't often happen that way. Um, you have to be persistent. And, and to be honest, I personally think the world of influencers is changing a lot. And it's not necessarily these big influencers that have millions of followers that little brands are always wanting to reach out to. Like I have more trust in some of my friends and family that have smaller followings than I do in some of these big influencers who influencers who are just getting paid by big brands to post. So I think that's changing now a little bit as much as it's still good to get in front of those eyes. Um, that customer trust might come in other ways too. Yeah, absolutely. It's so true too when you see somebody that like their entire account is literally just posting about products over and over again. And every single product they post to it is their absolute favorite product of all time. And you're, yeah, yeah. you lose trust in that person. Cause you're right. like, you're just trying to sell me something. Right. And no one likes that feeling. Like your customers wow. don't like that feeling. Your, your audience doesn't like that feeling. And I think for influencers going forward, it's going to be a challenge to maintain that personal connection with items that they truly love and aren't just being paid to promote. And I think that it's, it, I mean, sometimes it is off-putting when you reach out to somebody and they're like, I only do paid posts. And you're like, okay, you know, all right. So uh, that's great. I, uh, I don't have that budget, but okay. So that's not a right fit, you know? And, and then you get the big influencers that like some of them that do see the value in your product and do share about it because they want to keep that authentic connection with their customers and their or their community. And they're sharing things that they truly like and truly use. So I don't know. I think it's going to be interesting to see where that whole influencer world goes. We um, did do an affiliate program as well at one point, which I absolutely loved because we were able to pick people to be affiliates for our brand that had it wasn't all about following it wasn't about how many numbers they had it was um you know what type of community they were involved in so I think that we focused a little bit more on that and I really really loved doing that that and reaching out to those people and we saw some really great success um with that program yeah because it's mo it was so much more authentic right mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. much more authentic so I did want to ask you uh, a question that I like to ask all of my guests which is if you had one piece of advice for the starting entrepreneurs out there, what would it be and why? I would say patience is one of the most important things as an entrepreneur and celebrating your successes when you have them is so important because it's so easy for us to get caught up in what's next, what's next, what's next, what's bigger, what's bigger, what's bigger. And celebrating those successes is so important. And the, like you said, like when we were talking earlier and you said, you know, I look back at the last five, the 10 years and what I've accomplished over that time. And it's, and it is when you stop and you reflect on that, you, 
that is what will keep you going because if, if you don't take that time to pause and think about where you've come from and you kind of always have your head down and you're go, 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 then you're just never going to be happy with what you've achieved. So it's like, I, I feel like I've had to kind of learn that and just like stop and be like, okay, wow, you've done this. And this is um, a great success because we can, like I said earlier, when we were talking about getting in your head about other people or what you can get in your head about yourself and think like, oh, well, I'm not good enough or I'm not doing this and have a ton of imposter syndrome. I think that that's been um, a huge challenge that I've had over the years. But um, I think celebrating those wins when you have them is really important and taking time to reflect on where you've come from is also really, really, really important. Um, and patience, like just don't think it's going to happen overnight. It's, it's going to take time. So, um, you know, if you don't see your success right away, that's okay. You know, it takes time. And to be honest, if you absolutely hate it while it's happening and you're just like, it's not enjoyable for you at all, then maybe it's not right. And that, and that's okay too. I think that knowing when to pull the plug and you know, just like to quit if it's not fulfilling in your life anymore, that's, that's great. You still had success. The fact that you created something. And, um, I think that, uh, too many people are expecting quick results and it doesn't, it doesn't happen that way. Um, and there, again, just, I just keep going back to the conversation that we had, but there's so much value in the learning process. And so even if your business is only in business for one year and you, you know, you've tried it and it's not for you, that's still successful because you've still learned from it. That's a fantastic answer, Erica, like such amazing advice for, for new entrepreneurs, especially around like the, the patience piece and understanding, like we are in a time right now where everybody expects instant everything, right? Like it's the social media age of getting that instant gratification all of the time. And I think a lot of people enter into businesses thinking that it will happen very, very rapidly. And they look at other businesses that have been successful as we were saying, and think that they were successful overnight. And it's just not true. Like all of us start in the same place. Mm -hmm. All of us start out like at the, the bottom level, like first floor. And we are just trying to like mm -hmm. build it up in any way that we can and getting out there and doing as much as we can to get the word out and drive customers and try to like build those relationships that you were talking about. But all of that just takes it takes time. It takes time. And so you do mm. have to have a lot of patience as an entrepreneur. Also think sometimes, and I was actually talking about this with another business owner who's quite big. Like she's got a lot of stores and uh, I met her recently and she, she's absolutely lovely. Um, but she's much bigger than my business is. And we were talking about like it, what success really is in, in that, in a context, because she's like, you know, with more stores comes more stress comes more like, you know, it, it just, you know, it, yes, it looks like I'm really successful, but there are more costs and there's more like really you're, you're, when you're building your brand bigger, sometimes it's not always better. You know, it's not always that way. And it's, I think for every entrepreneur, it's a personal, um, journey on what you want for your business and what you want. Like there are lots of people who probably have the opportunity to expand and don't, 
because they're happy with where they're at. And so sometimes like you can think success looks a certain way, but it doesn't, if that makes sense. And I, um, I've been really comfortable and happy with how our business has grown, even though it has obviously pushed me out of my comfort zone at times, which I think at, you have to get used to that feeling. Um, you know, I haven't felt like I've bitten off more than I can chew. Like I, I, I haven't overwhelmingly felt that I feel like it's grown at a pace that personally I can handle too. And so if, you know, some people can handle, handle bigger expansion to bigger, but like, that's just not my work-life balance. And that's not my, my, and that's okay too. And so I think that success and how you want to define success is so different for everyone that that comparison piece really shouldn't come into play. And, um, you know, you can look at a big company and be like, wow, they're so successful, but they got different headaches than what you have, you know? And so it's, 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 uh, it's interesting to kind of take that viewpoint as well. Well, this has been amazing, Erica. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, where can people connect with you? Yeah, so you can um, follow us on Instagram. We are at Austin Oaks, um, uh, IG handle, O-S-A-N-D-O-A-K-E-S. And then you can check out our website at austinoaks.com. Um, and we will uh, be opening a new retail location in London coming up soon, hopefully within the next, month or so um so follow along on social media and hopefully come and see us in person if you're in the london area um at our new store amazing thank you so much for joining us today um i know that our listeners got so much value out of this conversation and i know that they will be checking you out on socials and coming into your store so thank you erica thank you for having me 